Hi, and welcome to The Queers Are Watching. Um, hi. <laughs> hi. I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. It's okay. Um, that's, that's Hannah. Oh, I was just going to do that. Okay. And that's Sarah over there. Um, we're off to a great start. Yay. Also, we want to let you guys know that we are recording in a new spot that we've never recorded in before. So there might be some like weird background noise going on. There's, like, a lot of cars going by, and it's rainy outside, so it's kind of loud. So sorry about that. That's also untrue. We've totally recorded here before. Our first episode was recorded here. Not in this room, though. That's true. It's a different vibe. It's, like, louder over there, I think. Maybe. (laughs) Anyway, sorry for the traffic noise. Sorry for the rain noise, if that happens at any point. Yeah, it never rains in California, so we're not ready for this. It only rained for, like, one day, and everyone's freaking out already. Flood Watch 2018. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But as Sarah was telling me, um, the reason why we freak out so much is because our streets are not designed to handle flooding, so that's why we're real dramatic, like, driving through (laughs) two-foot puddles, um, because we don't know what storm drains are. I told you, to be fair, that down the street from my house, like, it was like a river, and people's trash cans were floating down it, so... Um... And I feel like it barely rained, so I don't know why that happened. So y'all are lucky that you're even getting a podcast, because we could have been washed away. We could have been dead, guys. We could have drowned. Y'all... From the one day (laughs) of rain that we experienced. Anyway... So dramatic. Um, this episode, (laughs) we are talking about Love, Simon which is a film that came out recently. So Love, Simon is a coming-of-age story about a closeted teenage boy who gets blackmailed by a fellow student and must balance his precarious life. Um, It's a 2018 rom-com dramedy kind of thing by 20th Century Fox, um, which is a really big deal. And it's directed by uh, Greg Berlanti, who is an openly gay writer and director. And it was written by Isaac Aptiker and Elizabeth Berger. Um, it's based on a novel by Becky Albertalis, I want to say. Albertalli. 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 Yeah. Um, called Simon versus the Homo Sapiens Agenda. Um, I haven't read it yet, but I'm kind of wanting to purchase it now and read it. Uh, it stars Nick Robinson as Simon Spear, who you might recognize from Melissa and Joey. Or Jurassic World, he was the older brother. Um, or Everything, Everything, which I didn't see, but he was, like, the main person, I think, in that movie. Um, Josh Jamel as his father, Jack Spear. Jennifer Garner as his mother, Emily Spear. Catherine Langford as Leah Burke, who you might recognize from 13 Reasons Why. Um, Alexandra Ship as Abby Suso from X-Men Apocalypse, uh, Straight Outta Compton, House of Anubis, woot woot, I love that show, sorry. <laughs> um, and she was in an Aaliyah bio- biopic. I say biopic, not biopic, sorry for those of you who are throwing pitchforks at me. I know it's a real point of contention. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's George or Jorge Lendenberg Jr. as Nick Eisner. Um, he's in Spider-Man Homecoming and Breaks Me Bear. And then Keenan Lonsdale as Abraham Greenfield. Greenfeld. And he's in Legends of Tomorrow, The Flash, Supergirl, because he does all those crossovers. Um, he plays, like, young Flash, I think. And the Divergent series, for any people that have seen the Divergent series. He's in all the movies. So, box office details. 
It made $4.6 million on its first day, and it was projected to make between $10 and $12 million, like, opening weekend. It made $11.8 million, and it was fifth at the box office. 58% of its opening weekend audience was female, and 59% were under 25. Its Rotten Tomato score is 91%. Its Metacritic score is 7.8 out of 10. And its IMDb score is 8 out of 10. So it has pretty good... That's pretty decent. Pretty good stuff. Um, something else that was interesting was that the film actually inspired... Um, some of the actors to come out and be more open with their own sexual orientations, which is always good. Um, so Keenan Lonsdale, which is the person who plays Bram, um, came out as bisexual after being inspired by the film, which I think is great. So he said, timing is a very funny thing. I never imagined, especially as I was going through my own issues, that I would get to play this character in a queer love story. He said that the film, quote, gave me a kick to reflect and think about how I wanted to deal with my internalized shame. Also, um, at one point in the film, they go to a Waffle House and the guy that's the waiter at the Waffle House, like Simon seems kind of interested in because he thinks he might be the guy that he's talking to. And in the movie, spoiler alert, it turns out that that's not actually the guy. But it's funny because I feel like a lot of people got kind of a queer vibe from him. Mm-hmm. I did. Um, yeah. And it turns out that that actor also came out as gay. So, so like, does that mean he's, like, a bad actor? Because I could tell that he was gay. Or were they trying to, like, gay him up so that we would all think that he was the guy? Yeah, I think it was, like, it was queer baiting, but, like, the only kind of queer baiting that I can accept. Where it's literally, like, no, there are tons <laughs> of gay characters, but you're just not sure if this one is. Speaking of queer baiting, though, can oh, we yeah. segue into that? Yeah, we can. Absolutely. Okay. So there's a part where, um, okay, so Simon has a group of, a core group of friends, and they are Leah, Abby, and Nick, right? Nick, yeah. Um, so they've been hanging out, like, their whole lives, basically, except for Abby. Abby's new to the group. And Nick is in love with Abby, and Abby seems to like him back, so there's something going on between them. Leah is in love with Simon. Spoiler alert. Sorry about that. Um, and there's a part where there's, like, a Halloween party, and Abby comes dressed as Wonder Woman, and she, she looks kind of, like, um, like, slutty, but, like, a teenager. Like, she doesn't look too slutty, I think. Yeah, it's not, like, a costume that makes you cringe, because you're like, why are you selling that to teenagers? Yeah, no. It's she's, just a regular costume, yeah, but she looks good. she's wearing, like, little shorts, and she has, like, um, sheer leggings on underneath that. Like, sheer... Nylons, I should say. Yeah. So she looks cute, but she doesn't look sexualized. Yeah. So they're, like, all looking at her in her costume, and Leah gives her this look that's like, wow, like, she could, you could see it in her eyes. She's looking at her like, damn, that girl's attractive. And I thought that she was in love with Abby. And then, like, later on in the movie, she, like, tries to tell Simon that she's in love with him. So... I felt a little queer-baited because they don't, they're actually not in love with each other that we know of. Yeah. It was kind of, yeah, I was expecting someone else in his circle to come out. Mm-hmm. And when that moment happened, I was like, oh, it's Leah. Like, we're supposed to think that she's in love with Nick, but she's really in love with Abby. But no, it's like, we're supposed to think she's in love with Nick, but she's really in love with Simon. Mm-hmm. So, 
it's a lot of weird love triangles, but not one of them's not the one I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And like I get okay, so spoiler alert for the whole book thing. So this is based on a book, like I said, and uh, in the book, they're getting a sequel that's called Leah on the Offbeat, and that comes out April 24th, y'all, so check that out if you're interested, of this year. Um, but Leah is bi in the book, and she gets her, that's her own spinoff book, and I'm wondering if that was, like, a nod to that fact, like, if they knew that, and maybe if, because the movie's doing so well, if they'll get a sequel, because I could take a sequel, adapt that book. Give me the bi queen I need. <laughs> I know. I I really hope that that happens, and I hope that it wasn't just, like, purposely swept under the rug for the film, because I did kind of see some people side-eyeing it, because they read the book, and they were excited for the movie, and they were like, oh, she's canonically bi, and then in the movie, she's not canonically bi. Yeah. We, sorry, y'all, we have to pick apart something. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have a little bit more to pick apart later. I have some more stuff to pick apart. Yeah. yeah. Um, but first, like, just before we get into any negativity, which is, like, my whole aura. Um, <laughs> just First, I want to say that I actually did really like this movie. Um, we actually went to see it with the um, San Gabriel Valley LGBTQ swinter. The swinter. The swinter. <laughs> It's hard to. What is that like the swaggy center? It's really hard to say the San Gabriel Valley LGBTQ center really fast, which is what I just tried to do, so I just failed. Um, <laughs> see, there's that negativity again. Um, <laughs> I'm cleansing her aura as we speak. Uh, I wish you could. It's not working. <laughs> um, so it was just like a bunch of queer folks sitting there, and we were all crying. Oh my god, yeah. But they were like good tears. Yeah, I cried through, like, the whole last, like, 30 to 45 minutes of that movie. It's very, like, and it's funny because it's not even that heavy. It's not, like, it's not, like, the queer movies that you're probably used to seeing where, like, someone's, like, dying about of to AIDS. commit suicide or dying of AIDS yeah. or, like, their family kicks them out of the house or anything. Like, nothing like that happens. It's actually pretty light for the most part. I think that's so, like, that's such a, an indication of where we are as queer people to be like, oh, it's so light to see these things because there's a whole scene where, like, his life is literally falling apart. Like, he doesn't have friends anymore. Somebody outed him on the internet after blackmailing him. His whole family is awkward and not talking to him. And this all happens over the holiday break. He loses all his friends and he's screaming into a pillow in his bed. Like, his, like it's, like, not dramatic teenager my life is part. His life literally fell apart. Yeah. Because he's gay. And we're like, that's so light. And, like, <laughs> <laughs> and like I know that that's probably true as far as, it, like, queer film and queer media goes. But that's kind of dark for, like, regular teenagers. Like, usually teenagers are just kind of being dramatic when they're like, my whole life is falling apart. But his life actually did fall apart. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, but I feel like for queer, even for queer teenagers in real life, that's light. Like, that's, yeah, yeah. that's like so little. Like, even as he has no friends and his family's being awkward and he got blackmailed and outed to his entire school, that's pretty light, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, he could have got, like, beaten up or killed or something. Yeah. So. That's real dark. <laughs> like, that's so dark. Yikes. Like, he, he didn't get, like, 
committed to a mental institution. That's good, right? Um, so His parents are actually really supportive, which I really liked. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little more later, because I have some things to say about that. Okay, we can talk about that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so overall, it's... I would call it a feel-good film, even though there are definitely yeah. some moments where it's, like, a little precarious. It's, like... It's emotional, I think, and it's touching. And you know how queer people are like anything that we can relate to since there's like so little of that in the world has us bawling it's true like we're like there was a girl that was not with our group and she was bawling like i could hear her she was like crying below us i was like i feel you bitch yeah <laughs> anything that we can like see ourselves in like just breaks us <laughs> um so <laughs> it was so like emotional for me yeah yeah and <laughs> Just because of the subject matter, I'm betting that Sarah and I are going to end up talking about our coming out experiences and kind of like comparing and contrasting to the film, but we'll get into that a little later. We can do that. But yeah, I just want to say right from the top that I love this movie. Yeah, it was really good. It was much better than I was expecting it to be. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like the most problematic thing I had seen. Same. (laughs) I thought it was going to be like GBF. Yeah. I thought (laughs) bad things were going to happen, but nothing really bad happened. Yeah. There's just like things. There was some problems, but yeah. we can remain critical of them and still love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't like anything destroyed the movie for me or anything. Yeah. I agree. Also, I want to note that um, I was sitting next to my friend from the center who's one of our board members, whose name is Jessica. Shout out to Jessica. Hey, Jessica. <laughs> Jessica. <laughs> Sorry, that was a Jessica Jones reference. Anyway, um,. When the movie started, you see the 20th Century Fox, like, logo and, like, introduction. And she turned to me and she's like, I'm so excited. This is a real movie. And not to say that, like, indie movies are not real movies, but, like, most queer films that I've ever seen are put out by indie films or foreign films, like, producers and studios. So it was so exciting to see a big company like 20th Century Fox, like, putting their name out there. And making this, like, a big blockbuster film that they were putting blockbuster money into. Like, it was just... And I know that's such, like, a shitty capitalist thing to be like, oh, that makes me feel valid. But in a capitalist society, that makes me feel valid. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, communist corner. We don't (laughs) condone the use of, like, LGBTQ representation to sell products. Yeah, it's shitty. But sometimes it makes queer people feel good. Yeah. And we can hold both of those things at the same time. I can. I will remain critical of it. So I'm like, I'm going to be like, oh, I'm part of the bourgeoisie now. Like, that's, <laughs> that's a lie. And it's not going to be like, oh, 20th Century Fox is our friend now. They're not. They're not our Trust friend. me, they're not. Um, yeah. So it's a complicated, multifaceted issue. It's a complicated emotion. <laughs> yeah. Because anytime like something is mainstream and queer I feel like little things pulling me in two directions same 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 also I love that you labeled this like communist corner like (laughs) so fucking cute like we're on fucking sesame street (laughs) communist corner (laughs) um yeah we just we had to go there we had to visit communist corner don't we always Um, I think we live there yeah (laughs) We also need to talk about the soundtrack, though. Oh, I know. Because... We both downloaded it, in, like, separately, and we found that out earlier. <laughs> yeah. It's it's so good. It has some old stuff. Mm-hmm. It has some new stuff. It was largely 
Um, a lot of the songs were written by the guy from Bleachers, Jack. What's his last name? Alt- Altonoff, something like that. Antonoff. Antonoff. I think that's his last name. You can see how much research we do ahead of time. Actually, hey, I actually yeah. do research. To be fair, Sarah does research. I just kind of am like, oh, I'm a Pisces. I like to go with the flow. Like, it is Antonov. Oh, fuck off, bitch. I oh. just looked at my iTunes. <laughs> anyway, that dude from Bleachers, who's also the lead guitarist for Fun. I didn't know that. Which I didn't know. And there was some <laughs> other project that he was part of, too, that I didn't realize. Oh, he helped Lord with her most okay. recent album. There's, like, a song on there with him. And I don't know how to say her there her name M O is with a strike through right 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 Mo I like Mo? her I like her I call her Mo I don't know if that's I correct. do too I don't I don't know anything about like Swedish languages Norwegian languages I don't know where she's from Swedish. um but similarly to the fact that I refuse to say Boney Bear oh yeah I don't say Boney Bear either it's just Bon Iver it's Bon Iver <laughs> and no one can stop me um she's Mo yeah um, she's Mo to me. <laughs> But yeah, she's on there. Um, who else is on there? Normania and Khalid did a song on there. Uh, Brenton Wood, the nineteen seventy five has a song on there. I like it. I like it too, and I don't I'm even like sorry. it. I know you are always so salty about them. I know. I don't know why. Because they're they are like kind it's of so overhyped. Um, but some of their songs I think are appropriately hyped. Same, 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 same. There's also like some Elliot Smith in the soundtrack because Simon likes Elliot Smith. There's like a poster on his wall. Mm-hmm. He also has a Panic at the Disco Death of a Bachelor tour poster on his wall. Death of a Bachelor. Which I love. <laughs> so that song's on the soundtrack as well. I don't think it's on the official soundtrack, but it's like if you go to their like playlists on like Spotify or whatever, that's in there. Along with um, the famous I Wanna Dance with Somebody. Dance with somebody. <laughs> I've had that song stuck in my head, and we actually heard it. We were at a thrift store earlier, and we heard it at the thrift store, and that's what made us both turn to each other and go, "I downloaded the Love Simon soundtrack, and it's <laughs> on there." So I've been listening to this Whitney Houston song. <laughs> and I never would have like guessed that I would be the type of queer person that would be like blasting Whitney Houston in my car. <laughs> I am, but apparently. <laughs> That's true of me. I grew up in the hood, so we all blasted Whitney Houston. <laughs> That's not really a queer thing in the hood. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, you know, we've had we've had this conversation before, but, like, I grew up listening to only very particular kinds of music, and my parents hate disco or anything even remotely adjacent to disco. Um, so I didn't, I literally didn't hear any disco until I was probably like 13 or That's something. wild. Um. My parents love disco. Only folk music and like real, real classic rock like Led Zeppelin. Like. That's so wild. Yeah, that's it. Um. <laughs> My parents actually met at a bar where they were like in the 80s, I think. Yeah, it was early 80s because they married in 84. Um, so they were like listening to like that 80s house music. When they first got together, my dad was a DJ, and my mom loves disco, so... That's such a wild foreign concept to me. My parents met at work, but they bonded because they both love Joni Mitchell. That's so cute! Um, (laughs) (laughs) Who's, like, you know, the folksiest ever of all time. Um, (laughs) And that's probably why I'm not good at writing songs that aren't folk songs. Like, I I find it very challenging to write anything else. Um... But anyway. I think that's okay. Do what you're good at. I guess. (laughs) 
Sarah's like trying to be all supportive or whatever. Uh, I'm just not like, supportive. ugh. She can't stand when I'm supportive. Let me wallow in my <laughs> despair. I Sarah. will not. What kind of shit ass friend would I be? If Can I did you that? guys tell that I'm having like a little bit of like a creativity crisis? <laughs> like I'm just like I'm not good at anything. I can't do anything. Which is so not fucking true. Like I can't even handle her. She doesn't believe in herself, y'all. <laughs> Sarah has stuck by me. <laughs> Like, through our very frustrating friendship where, like, every day of my life I'm like, oh, it's too bad that I can't do anything and I'm terrible at everything and everyone hates me. She's actually really talented. Don't let her say that to you. I mean, we went to a crystal shop earlier because we're those kind of people. Yeah, we're those kind of queers. Um, We're each wearing our crystal necklaces right now. (laughs) And I got a bunch of stuff that's supposed to help me with creativity and I got a bunch of stuff that's supposed to help me with self-esteem. So we'll see um, if the placebo effect... (laughs) takes effect um true true that's what we're looking for i'm open for that too yeah i mean what did i spend there like 30 dollars. if i'm paying 30 dollars for a placebo effect hey as long as it works (laughs) i'm ready i did buy sage and i don't know why i didn't smudge this room before we started oh i'm so sorry that's okay the vibes are good in here i don't know that like i think maybe my negativity would actually like outdo the sage no i can smudge (laughs) you down Smudge your whole life. I need you to just follow me around with Sage. Just like... <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about some things that we really liked <laughs> about the film. So... Now it's time to get back to our regular selves. Take off your energy mask and become who you really are. <laughs> <laughs> back to our regularly scheduled programming of... We're fucking angry all the time. Fucking salty. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> if you listen to us... And you keep coming back to listen to us, you're just as salty as we are, so I'm not worried about it. Or you at least can tolerate the salt and then, like, cleanse your aura once you're done (laughs) with us, which is fine. Um, Remain critical of all the media you consume, including ourselves. Yes. Be like, you know what? I really like this, the Queers Are Watching podcast, but they're a little too negative for me. That's fair. That's fair. Valid criticism. We accept it. And also, fuck you. Um, (laughs) See, here's the thing. (laughs) So, what what didn't you like about this movie? There were a few things that I'm going to pick at, and you know I'm going to start with, like, missing my cutie pock people. There were little to no queer trans people of color in this movie, and there was one, like, a big one. His name is Ethan. Um, he was very, like, out and proud, very femmy. Um, he was a black male. And I did love that they get to show, like, a femme black male because I feel like a lot of black men that are queer in film and media are so mask for mask. Like, it's just like, oh, we have to be, like, big and tough. And not everyone that is black and queer behaves that way. I've actually met a lot of, like, black, queer, like, femme people. So I thought it was cool that that was included, like, that aspect However, he's not even, like, a secondary character. He's, like, a tertiary character. Like, he's, like, in the background of Simon's life, and he just happens to, like, come back up in something, and it happens to be a hate crime. Like, I'm just gonna be real. Like, that was a hate crime. So... He definitely, like, appears in Simon's uh, periphery, and then the only time when he steps into the spotlight is to, like, give Simon a little life lesson and then walk away. Yeah. Sashay away. So he sashayed away, let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't like that. Yeah. Because it's, it's like, he's an accessory 
to the story that's about Simon. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I feel, let's be real, I feel the same way about Bram because a lot of people mm-hmm. said, like, oh no, like this movie's so inclusive because the love interest, spoiler alert. Yeah, we're gonna tell you who the love interest is, and that's the main thing of the movie. That's the mystery of the whole movie. Yeah. So if you don't wanna hear that, I probably already spoiled it. Um, you could just like tune out. You could just like not listen to this podcast about a brand new movie we're talking about. It just <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> so the guy that he ends that it turns out that he was talking to the whole time is Bram and Bram is black and Jewish. And he actually has a line about being like, and I'm black and Jewish. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yes, we know. (laughs) Um, Writers. Thanks for throwing that in there. But like, he doesn't have a big part in the movie, like as an actor, like you hear his words because they're emailing back and forth. And he's like in and out of Simon's life too, as well. Like he's like, there's a few throwaway lines in there that he has, but he's not a main character by any means. Yeah. And, like, okay, we have two other main characters that are black, but they're straight people, as mm-hmm. far as we know. Allegedly, they're I mean, straight. <laughs> I want Abby to be gay AF. Yeah, same. She felt gay AF to me. Like I know. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Like, even if we did get a sequel, I don't know if they would go in that direction or not. Do it. <laughs> we'll read the book and we'll get back to you, y'all. Yeah. Um. So, yes, I, the only, like, queer people of color seem to be kind of, like, side yeah. things. And I don't know if that was, like, a class thing because they lived in, like, a nice neighborhood in a white school. Like, I can't be sure. But speaking of Mask for Mask, I'm going to go into that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let's, oh, yeah, let's talk about this scene. So there's a part in the movie, um, I, I don't even know if we explain this. Should we have explained this for people that don't care about spoilers? Um, so Simon is closeted and they have this thing that's kind of like post-secret, if anyone remembers post-secret. Um, it's called the Creek Secret or something dumb like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> they live in, what is it? Like Hidden Creek or something dumb like something that. Something generic like that. Some generic town. Um, anyway, so they have a, like, post-secret type of thing where you can post your secret anonymously, and then everyone talks about it and gossips about it. Um, so a guy goes on there and says, like, I'm a closeted gay person, and I feel like shit, blah, 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 blah. So Simon responds to him, like, he gets his email off of there, and starts emailing him and says, like, I have the same secret, like, blah, blah, blah. So then they start connecting, and they're emailing back and forth, and there's a point where... The guy says that he's really into Game of Thrones. And then Simon's like, oh, just to find you, I'll just have to look for the guy who's crazy about Game of Thrones at school. And he goes to school the next day, and he looks at everyone with the Game of Thrones t-shirt, and they're these, like, fat guys that are kind of, like, they don't care about their appearance, or, like, they're, like, stereotypical geeks. Like, they kind of all look like George R. R. Martin, like, (laughs) who wrote Game of Thrones. Um, So... Instead of just, like, I can't, it just didn't sit well with me because it was, like, oh, fat guys are ugly. Because he, like, cringes at every single one. And just because, like, the guy doesn't look like Brad Pitt, I have no idea. Like, there was even one where I was, like, oh, that guy's kind of cute. And then he just, like, cringed afterward. And I was, like, well, why do you have to do that for? Like, why do you have to be a fat phobe? And, like, being a skinny white dude that's, like, a total hipster he was, like, one second away from no fats, no femmes. Like, just... It just didn't sit well with me. 
And that seems very true to his character, unfortunately. Yeah. Because part of his character is that he doesn't want to come out because he feels like, oh, well, I'm just normal. I'm so normal. I'm trying really hard to be normal. I'm normal, y'all. <laughs> he says it, like, 500 times. Yeah. Um. So it does definitely seem like he doesn't want to do or have or experience anything that's outside of, quote, normal. Yeah. Um. So that's aligned with his character, sadly. Not that I like it um, at all. I don't yeah. like it at all. But I wanted to be critical of that, too. Like, I get that he's, like, basically he's doing the thing that, like, women do when they have internalized misogyny. Like, I'm not like other girls. He's doing internalized homophobia. I'm not like other gays. Like, I'm not, like, super femme, and I'm not into, like, Whitney Houston, which is, like, the joke. Um, he's not good at being, like, a theater gay. Like, he's, like, ugh, like, basically I'm straight, but I'm gay. Yeah. <laughs> which, like, yes, there are people out there that are like that, but, like, why do we have to be, like, oh, this is the best way to be gay? Yeah, and I don't know if it was saying, like, this is the best way to be gay, but it was, like, gays are just like you kind of thing. Yeah. Which is super annoying. Like, like to be honest, like, I'm kind of an aesthetic hipster gay. Like, so I can relate to, like, liking Elliot Smith and Panic at the Disco, like, the things he was doing. Like, he had Radiohead lyrics and a concert, like, written on his wall to go to. Like, that would be me, but at the same time, I'm, like, not afraid to dance to Whitney Houston. And, like, I'm also not afraid to, like, dress like a boy because I am femme presenting. Like, he's, like, afraid to look outside of, like, this, like, box that he's put gay people in. And, like, I do know a lot of gay men like that that were like, oh, no, that's too gay. I can't do that. But they've all, like, outgrown that. So I'm thinking they were just portraying, like, a young gay male that's, like, super closeted. Because it took my friends who were like that a long time to be comfortable enough to be like, okay, yeah, I can, like, you know, musicals. Like, yeah, that does seem, like, gay, but I am gay, so I don't care. Yeah, I think they were, like, ironically trying to be like oh we're breaking a stereotype by having him be kind of like normie normcore <laughs> normie but... normcore <laughs> that's a new thing because you're saying it <laughs> so but by doing that it like looped back around and it, I don't know yeah I don't know how to articulate I that agree. But... like when you go too far right you get left when you go too far left you get right <laughs> yeah like that I also like I have to say that Part of what kind of irked me about the ending, because I'll I'll go into this saying, as you probably know from listening to this podcast, I like sad things. Oh my god, this is brand new information. <laughs> <laughs> I like depressing things, and I don't like endings that are unrealistic. And that has actually gotten me into a lot of trouble as a writer because every time I would submit something in a fiction workshop everyone would say like the ending feels unfinished it doesn't feel like you tied up all the ends it feels I didn't <laughs> it feels frayed at the end I'm like yes aesthetic frayed <laughs> torn destroyed you're like Natalie Umbergula torn okay <laughs> if Shangela can say it <laughs> I can say it <laughs> um so anyway, I tend to not like endings that are like tied up in a little bow. And that's kind of what this was. Because I was thinking, going back to that Game of Thrones, no fats, no femmes scene, <laughs> like, 
if the person that because at the end of the movie another spoiler at the end of the movie he goes to a ferris wheel because they have this whole thing in their email chain about feeling like they're on a ferris wheel and that's what their life is like it's a metaphor whatever (laughs) so he shows up and he tells he had emailed the guy saying like show up at this time i'll be there on the ferris wheel and that's how he ends up finding out that it's bram and they go and they go to the top of the ferris wheel and they have like a nice little makeout sesh and it's very (laughs) cute and everyone's applauding and everyone's crying and it's really sweet okay but what would have happened if some ugly guy Mm. had shown up and been like hi i'm here i'm the person that you've been emailing you said you were in love with me which is also wild yeah but also very apropos because he's a teenager yeah we're all like that as teenagers we're like oh i've known this person for two weeks i guess i must be in love with them i mean maybe he got catfish i don't know (laughs) (laughs) so like if an ugly person had shown up a fat person had shown up like what would he Mm -hmm. like realistically not that we think ugly and fat are synonymous, Not by the all. way. Um, just to be clear, I'm very fat. So. <laughs> and it's like, especially in gay circles, gay men, mm-hmm. um, if they're not bears, then they're yeah. like ugly and fat are synonymous. Yeah. yeah. So, based, and especially based on that scene where he's like looking at all these guys that are, by the way, not even really fat. Like, they're just mm-hmm. kind of like chubby or like... yeah. Oh, they're, like, teenage awkward. Yeah. Like, they had, like, awkward length hair. They weren't models like him. Like, the... Yeah. The lead actor is beautiful. Yeah. He looks like he's made of porcelain. Yeah. Like... <laughs> um, he's, like, your stereotypical, like, he would be, like, in an Abercrombie ad or something. Yes. 100%. Um. <laughs> so gay. <laughs> so, like, if someone had shown up that did not look like that, that did not have that vibe... Yeah. That would ruin his whole gay aesthetic. And, like, like, he's lucky Bram is real cute. Yeah. So I was thinking that the whole time. I was like, um, this is not how it turns out. And especially because, we know this because we're avid fans of catfish, (laughs) um, a lot of times closeted gay people catfish people because that's the only way that they feel like they can, and it's not that I'm saying that it's okay for closeted gay people to catfish people. Like, that's definitely not cool, and I don't think that that's something you should do. But it's a reality that a lot of people are living in such painful places in their lives that they feel like they need to do that. So, like, the realism of a guy showing up and it's like, oh, I'm really cute and I was just afraid to come out and we are now going to enter a relationship. Like, it just seemed so unrealistic. I question the realism of that. Definitely, I I agree, but I love rom-coms. Like, I live for that cheesy-ass shit, so I don't even care. Like... I'm the kind of person that, like, will watch Hallmark and Lifetime and just be like, if you don't wrap it up with a little bow, I'm going to be pissed off about it because I use movies as an escape. Like, I'm not looking for realism in movies. In books, though, ironically, it needs to be realistic. Like, if I'm reading a book and it has a happy ending, I throw it out in the trash. (laughs) Like, when Harry Potter ended, I was like, what is this fucking epilogue? I wanted to rip it out and pretend it didn't happen. Same. I am the biggest advocate for ripping that out of the book (laughs) and being like that never happened yeah um just end it like it was a happy enough ending without all that disgusting little frou-frou and like naming your kids like you just read harry potter (laughs) is too wild like don't do that so so that's a little bit how the kissing at the top of the ferris wheel felt to me it's a little bit like an epilogue that didn't need to be there 
Um, but I totally understand that because it is a mainstream movie and they're aiming it at little gaby teenagers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that it needed to be that way. Yeah. So I totally understand that. I support it. I mean, in the theater when we found out that it was him and he was like, it's you, right? And he's like, it is me. I was like, yes, bitch. And like, I had to yell because I was just so excited that it was him. <laughs> can we also, can we also talk about the reason why he didn't think it was Bram though? Which I find oh, very. Oh yeah. Very biphobic. It's. <sighs> I mean, I don't think it's biphobic. I think it's maybe a little bit of bi erasure by the movie. Um, because the whole reason, at one point he suspects that it's Bram pretty early on in the movie. And he's at a party and he walks in to a room where he knows that Bram is. And he sees Bram making out with this girl. And she's like, has her clothes half off or something? Yeah, like she's it looks lifting like it, her shirt or something. Yeah, it looks like it's going somewhere. So then he's like, oh, okay, sorry, never mind. And then leaves the room. And he's like, oh, it can't be him then. Yeah. And he's like really disappointed. And he was on his way to tell him something. But he was also drunk. So. Yeah. So it, it's just, it perpetuates the kind of thinking of like, oh, I just saw a guy making out with a girl. Therefore, that's a straight guy. Yeah. And he could never be into me, a man. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, and I was annoyed by that. Later, the way that he explains it is like, oh, I was just confused. Yeah. And like, yes, that's something that totally happens. Yeah. Especially as teenagers, people are confused and because of compulsive heterosexuality, they feel like they need to try being with someone of another gender just because they're like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But that's not always why that happens yeah like he could be a non-monosexual and because bisexuality and any other orientation like was never mentioned at any point in the film mm-hmm. it just feels like it's being omitted yeah it kind it kind of feels like that whole like that gay stereotype that like bisexuality is like a pit stop on the way to being gay and particularly for males, that happens a lot. They're like, oh, no, there's no way you're bi as a male. You're definitely gay. So it, it didn't sit well with me, like, when it happened. Because, like, when it did happen, I was like, oh, that doesn't necessarily mean it's not him. But, like, Simon was really, like, disappointed and the movie moved on from there. So I was like, I guess it's not him. And, like, maybe there, that was just, like, lazy writing. Like, them, like, using that to segue into, like, let's trick you into thinking it's someone else now. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. And we've said this before, and we will say it again. The fact that this bothers us has a lot to do with the fact that there were no other bi characters in the movie. Mm -hmm. Because you're allowed to do more stuff like that if you then have a different kind of representation somewhere else. It's just kind of frustrating when there's no mention of bisexuality in a film that's supposed to be, like, the gay icon film of the year. <laughs> or, like, the century or whatever. Yeah. Um, and then the only time when you could have brought it up, you didn't. Yeah. It just kind of, it sits the wrong way with me. And I'm really hoping that the movie, the book sequel does get a movie sequel. Because I would really like to see a bisexual person at the forefront um, it doesn't have to be a female, but in this case it is, but I, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm missing that, I think. I think I would be more excited and more, I, it would be more relatable to me personally. I know that's kind of selfish, um, to be like, yeah, I want to see that, so, 
I'm hoping that they go that route. But I get the feeling that we're going to get a lot of the argument that, like, oh, there's no way. Like, he's gay, and his friend is bi, and he met another gay guy, and there's another gay... Like, because you know how people think, like, gay people are, like, one in a million? <laughs> Let me tell you a story. When I was in high school, I was, like, one of the first people in my friend group to come out. Like, I came out very early, and I thought that most of the people that were in that friend group were straight. I thought I was, like, the only one or, like, one of maybe two. After high school, and actually after I finished my undergrad, suddenly people were coming out to me right and left that were in my high school friend group. So let me tell you, even if not everyone's out right now, look around you. Like, (laughs) as a queer person, like you're bound to know a lot of queer people, right? That's just how it happens. Yeah, the same thing happened to me. I was the first person to come out when I was 15 in my friend group, and two of my friends were like, I'm a lesbian, I'm also bi, and then, like, bi people were, like, coming out to me at school, other gay people were coming out to me at school. Um, One of my friends that, like, I had been friends with since I was five years old came out to me. Like, these were all people in my immediate friend group. So, and I was the first one to come out. I thought I was the only one in that friend group that everyone was going to, like, panic and hate me and whatever. But they ended up just being like, oh, thank God you came out because I am too and I couldn't not say anything anymore. So, I guess queer people just, like, are drawn to each other. Like, we find each other. Yeah, like, sorry to be, like, super new agey this whole podcast. (laughs) But, like, something about the way that the universe works. Like, our energies just find each other and we just end up hanging out. Mm -hmm. Because, like, it's it's so wild to me that like people that I was hanging out with from a very young age that I never in a million years thought would be queer came out to me and like later in life. And it turned out that we were just like a giant posse of queer people hanging out together, (laughs) even if we didn't know it at the time. So it's actually incredibly realistic for a group of high school friends to find out that there's multiple queer people in the group. Yeah. Sorry. Like that's just, Straight people are wild being like, oh, that would never happen. There's only two gay people ever in In my entire school. In my whole city. (laughs) Like, what? Oh my god. I can't. So let's talk a little bit about when Simon comes out to his family. Um, He comes out on Christmas morning, which is... That's a real gamble girl. Like, (laughs) I don't know what he was thinking. I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) No, you can't hijack a holiday like you can and lots of people do yeah but then like if it went really really badly you might have ruined the holiday forever for yourself yeah um and for your family but like whatever if they react poorly that's on them yeah (laughs) um but there's like even a joke on that episode of like will and grace was it will and grace i don't know i want to yes i haven't watched will and grace in ages where someone wants to come out at thanksgiving it's a woman she wants to come out at thanksgiving and i think it's jack says to her like Thanksgiving is when the gay men come out. Lesbians get Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that. Um, yeah. I hope I'm remembering that right. I'm pretty sure. I've never seen that. Anyway. Um, if I'm wrong, slide into our DMs and yell at me. <laughs> That's fine. Um, I used to love Will and Grace, as many baby queers did. Same did I. I tried to rewatch it recently. It's too problematic. It's DM. so cringeworthy. Yeah. Ah, anyway, <laughs> that's another, that's another episode. Yeah, I don't, um, I haven't watched, I only watched the first episode of the new one and it wasn't terrible, so. Yeah, I haven't seen any of the new one. Maybe I'll, like, force myself to watch that, but. All right. 
Anywho, um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I was cringing that Simon decided to come out on Christmas morning. Not even like, okay, guys, let's all gather around. I have something to say. Like, literally, your family's in the middle of opening presents, and you're just like, I'm gay. <laughs> like, I mean, that's such a self-centered white teenage boy thing. Yeah. So I'm not talking <laughs> anything. And not that, not that gay people should, um, you know, model their lives around what other people want them to do like we do that enough um but true, true but yeah it was kind of it was kind of wild to just yeah <laughs> anyway he has poor timing yeah so <laughs> his mom seems kind of like surprised not that he said it but more like surprised that he said it so abruptly mm-hmm. and then his dad makes a joke and then, like, leaves the room. Because mm-hmm. he's clearly uncomfortable. He's not necessarily upset. He just, you can see that the dad is like, I don't know what to say. So mm-hmm. he makes a joke that clearly hurts Simon's feelings. And then gets up and leaves. Mm-hmm. Like, he said, like, oh, which one of your girlfriends turned you? Yeah, he's like, was uh-huh. it one of the unibrow? And, like, even the mom is like, Jack, stop. <laughs> and, the like, the sister's like, dad, can you ever shut the hell up? And he goes, like, damn, bitch. And the sister's, like, 12. So, like, yeah, the sister has had enough. So then there are two more separate conversations that happen with the family members afterwards because because they want to make us cry. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what like, like that's why the sobbing was just stretched out for like the <laughs> last 30 minutes of the movie. Because so first he has like a conversation with his mom and his mom is just like I love you, you deserve anything that makes you happy. And I want you to live your best life and yeah. do anything that you want to do. And she tells him, like, now you have the opportunity to, like, live the way you want to live. And that is, like, so supportive. And it was so emotional for me to hear her say that. Like, she didn't make his coming out about her. And I thought that was really, I don't know, I thought it was really amazing. And, like, I, like, cried more then because my mom was so not supportive of me. Like, as a teenager coming out to her. And I did, like, a whole Simon thing. Like, I, like, ambushed her. But she, like, kind of asked. So. (laughs) Like, to be fair. Yeah. Like, we were at a restaurant. And, like, the TV was on. And it was, like, in 04 when, like, gay marriage was on the ballot. And in California. And I was, like, I don't understand why gay people can't get married. That's dumb. And my mom was, like, oh, well, like, it's not, like, God said, like, a man and a woman. And that's when my mom, like, was starting to become really religious. And, like, I was like, well, that's dumb. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, you don't get married in a church. Like, you can get married in a courthouse. So what does that have to do with church? And she was like, why do you care so much? Like, she was, like, offended that I cared so much about other people, apparently. Which is, like, not, like that's wild. That's another conversation about my mother that we can have another time. <laughs> um, but I was like, well, because I'm gay. And then she was like, what? And I was like, well, I'm bi, but yeah. <laughs> and, like, I just, like, said it. And she just, she kind of pushed me there, I feel. And we were in a public place. Like, she could have just dropped it and said nothing. Um, And then, like, her response was to be, like, a total asshole to me. And be like, no, you're not. Like, I know my own daughter. You're not gay. And then she got quiet. And then she was just like, which one of your friends is gay? Because I know you're trying to be like them. Which was ironic, because I was the gay friend. Who brought everybody I, yeah. out. <laughs> so, I don't know. Like, I, it was just really emotional for me to see, like, somebody be, like, a mom be really supportive of her gay teen. 
Like, I needed that. So I was, like, sobbing in the movie theater. <laughs> yeah. I, def- I definitely didn't have that negative of an experience with my mom. But I think I, like, watching the movie, I definitely felt envious of that really supportive conversation because that didn't really happen with my mom like she didn't react badly but she did react biphobically because she basically said everyone your age thinks that about yourself because I was like 13 I was like I think I'm into girls and she was like everyone thinks that that's just your age like you'll get you're you'll get older and you'll get over that and I think that was her way of trying to make me, like, not freak out about it. Maybe. But it made me freak out about it. Because I was like, no, like, you're not listening to me. Mm-hmm. Because, and that's something that happens especially to bi girls coming out. Because, you know, at the time, it was, like, quote unquote trendy because Katy Perry yeah, was, I, like, yeah. I don't know. So, I feel like a lot of, especially bi girls, get told, like, oh, no, that's just what everyone thinks. Yeah. That, like, makes me, like, question your mom's sexuality. Like, at some point when she's like, yeah, I like girls. And she's like, wait a minute. No, I'm not gay, so I can't like girls. Like, whenever people say that, particularly women, I'm like, that means, like, you have some gay feelings that you're not addressing. Like, because not all women say that. Like, some people are just like, oh, okay. Some people are just like that. But, like, particularly when women say that, I'm like, does that mean that you've had gay feelings before? And, like, bi feelings and you're not addressing them? You're like, oh, well, I'm not a lesbian, so therefore I'm not gay. Maybe, but I feel like another possibility is that women are raised to, as ironic as this sounds, because women are supposed to be, like, all emotional and soft at least for me, I feared intimacy with other girls growing up because I thought people would think I was gay. And that started very early because once in fifth grade, I told my best friend, I love you in front of other people. Mm-hmm. And for the rest of that week, I was the lesbian. Aww. So, and it, and it's like, I knew, I knew that there was nothing wrong with that. Like, I wasn't mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm a lesbian. I'm a bad person or anything. Mm-hmm. I was just like, that's not true. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't mean I'm in love with Kelly. <laughs> I just said, I love you, Kelly. You know? So it was like, yeah. from that point on, I was always very careful and cautious about who I said I love you to and about who I touched and hugged and held hands with. Like, <laughs> I feel like you should be able to do that with your friends platonically. Yeah. And it's, like, heartbreaking to me that I feel like a lot of women aren't allowed to experience that and a lot of girls aren't allowed to experience that. So I'm wondering if a lot of the women and girls that say things like that are just, like, they have an experience where they feel a strong platonic mm-hmm. connection with another girl and then they're like, oh, am I gay? <laughs> and then they're like, oh, no. And then they think, like, oh, that's what you're feeling. That's a good point. I did have a really similar experience, except it happened way earlier than that. I was in second grade and like I loved my best friend. Like I don't know if I was in love with her. I was in second grade. But like I like wanted to hold her hand and hug her and like we were just really close. And one day she was sick and she didn't come to school and I hung out with some other girls and uh they were like, "Oh, where's Lucy?" And I'm like, "I don't know. She's sick. She didn't come to school." And then they were like 
I don't know what one of them said to me. And they're like, oh, you guys always hang out together. You always hold hands. And I was like, yeah, like I like her is what I said. But I didn't mean like I like had a romantic attraction to her. I don't think that's what I meant. I don't know. I was seven. Um, but they were like, ew, like you like her? My sister said that means that you're a lesbian. Uh, and I was like, whose older sister is just telling their seven-year-old <laughs> sister, like, that's lesbianism? Like, and at the time, like, I had never heard that word. I had heard of the word gay and gay men, but I didn't know that you could be a lesbian. And I was like, what's that? And they were like, it's when a girl likes another girl. And, like, they were all like, ew, that's gross. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. That's so gross. <laughs> And then, like, I think at that point it occurred to me, like, oh, I might like girls, like, the way that I also like boys. Because, like, that was the grade where everyone was, like, all the little girls were chasing the little boys, trying to hold their hand or kiss them on the cheek. And, like, I was, like, oh, maybe I like girls like that. And I was, like, oh, no, but that would make me a lesbian. And I also like the little boys. So I'm not a lesbian. So I'm nothing. I'm not any of that. And it took me until, like, I was, like, 14 years old. And I, like woke up from like a dream that was not related to being gay at all and I was just like oh my god I'm so gay like (laughs) it was just like I was like oh wow I guess I repressed those feelings pretty well like to hold that in for seven years and not think about it it was wild so I did learn from a very early age like don't show affection to other women because people are gonna think you're gay and I was like well one I'm not gay and two no one can think I'm gay so it was like homophobia and like a fear of intimacy yeah, I feel that. <laughs> at the at the time when that thing happened in fifth grade, like, I didn't even, I had no idea that I might be queer. I, because I had had so many crushes on boys that I was like, oh, no, I'm not a lesbian. I'm not that. Um, See, if you knew about bi, you would have been like, I could be that. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. And I had such intense, close friendships with a lot of my girl friends mm-hmm. friends that were girls I hate I hate that whole girlfriends girl thing um I had such intimate relationships with so many of them growing up that I guess I wonder if I if I had known that bi was a thing I wonder if I actually did like some of them I don't know who like, can say like I <laughs> I don't know but you know what like when you're young like it's not that deep fam like it's just not like you like, might be like, oh, I love them, I like them, but, like, you're not necessarily, like, attracted to them sexually or romantically. Like, you're maybe, like, not in a position to do that. And I think a lot of kids that are like, oh, I had a girlfriend when I was eight. Like, you didn't have a girlfriend when you were eight. You held hands with somebody because you liked being around them, and that's not necessarily, like, a deeper attraction. Like, it could be, but didn't have to be. I don't think kids really think of it like that. Yeah, and I don't mean, like, necessarily in a romantic or sexual way here I am again going new agey but like I mean more of like a weird like spiritual like connection where you're like like platonic soulmates I don't know I guess like I had so many of those feelings when I was a kid yeah like although I was super emotional child like I was like that with everybody yeah anybody I was like you're my best friend and we love each other like I was just like that person oh I guess I guess that might have been me. <laughs> Oops. That's so ironic that we're having this conversation because people, like, have told us they think we're dating a hundred thousand times. Um, and we're like, no, we're really platonic. I swear to God. Like, we're just really good friends. And I feel like we're platonic soulmates. Yeah. So we found each other. We're those girls from elementary school that, like, doodled, like, 
Sarah and Hannah BFF forever on everything, and then, like, we found each other in adult life, and that's so scary. <laughs> We're holding hands again, y'all. <laughs> we do this a lot. <laughs> and as I said, we should be able to hold hands. Yes! Without it being construed as... The romantic like, partnership? Yeah. So... I can't. So anyway, that's how my mom reacted by being like, everyone feels that way. Um, mm. And I'm like, what are you saying? Like, everyone... I don't know. So I'm wondering if she thought she meant, like, everyone feels really close to a friend and thinks that it's something more. Maybe. But I was like, no, I'm attracted to boobs. <laughs> like... That's the best. It's so blunt. Like... like I want to see what a vagina tastes like. It's like, basically what you were trying to say. Like I, yeah, and at the and at the time it was like I'm in love with a specific person. Like that's yeah, same for me. That's I, why. I yeah, can't. I didn't tell her that at the time because I knew that we would be separated immediately. Um, but yeah, I did the same thing. <laughs> I was 15 though when that happened. Like I just felt like I had to because I was dating someone already who was of my same gender, and. I don't know, like, it just, like, we would spend the night at each other's houses, and we both lived, like, we went to the same school, but we both didn't live in the same city. So, like, we commuted to school, and I knew that we would never see each other outside of school unless we could spend the night at each other's houses, like, because that's how far apart we lived. That's so scary. (laughs) So we just didn't say anything for a really long time until my parents just figured it out. Yeah. And then they, like, approached me, and they were like, are you dating that girl? And I'm like, yeah, we are. Like, I wasn't going to lie about it. And they were like, well, she can't spend the night anymore. But to their credit, like, for being such homophobic assholes that they were, they did let me go to her house and spend the night there. But I think only because she had so many siblings and they shared a room. So they were like, there's no way they're going to have sex with their siblings in the room. And they were wrong. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Joke's on (laughs) y'all. I think. See, I was also asked point blank, is there something going on between you and that person? And I said, no. Because I was scared that we would get split up. So, and then later my mom held that against me. <laughs> she was like, you lied to my face. Shrug life. Yeah. I don't, like, <laughs> it I, don't worth know, it. I don't like, know what to tell you. Like, I'm sorry that I lied, but also, like, I was scared. Yeah. Like, also, you don't get what it's like to be a queer kid. Sorry. Yeah. I still remember when my brain exploded when I realized that my parents are straight. Like. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, you need to explain this. <laughs> explain your little straight story. Like, I just, I guess I've been privileged enough to grow up feeling like, for the most part, my parents tried to understand me or, like, at times really did understand me. They made an effort. They were like, why do you feel this way? How are you feeling? Like, stuff that not everyone's parents do for them. Mm-hmm. But at some point, I realized, like, oh, you guys can never actually 100% connect with me. Because you've never experienced this. Mm -hmm. And you will never know what it's like to experience this. (laughs) And it just blew my mind because I was so used to them wanting to understand. And I'm like, this is something you can't understand even if I explain it to you, even if you're listening to me. Mm -hmm. And that was wild to me. Like, That's so sweet that they did try to understand, though. Yeah. And not, not necessarily about being queer, like... Especially not with my dad. I don't think he's ever asked me one question one time. Um, but <laughs> Such a dad thing. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that that's like a personal fault of his so much as like toxic masculinity and the way that dads think they're supposed to act. Um, but 
especially when I was going through my really deep depression and um, really was suicidal all the time, I think they were really trying to understand what was happening. Even if there were moments where they were not very compassionate, there were definitely other moments where they were. So, I don't know. Yeah, my parents were not like that at all. <laughs> my parents are really religious, so they're very Latinx. They're just... Ugh. Fit and rub dirt on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's just the kind of person they are. Like, people they are. So, I just... Like, I don't... I don't think I was expecting anything good out of my dad, because we never had a close relationship. But my mom, like, I was, like, attached to her when I was a child. So, I just expected, like, so much more support from her, I think. Because she's always been, like, really supportive and really proud of anything else I've ever done. And I just thought she would, like, work really hard to, like, get it. And she didn't. She just, like, because that, like, I came out right when she, like, joined an evangelical Christian church. So it was, like, immediately conflicting with something that she felt was very important to her at the time. And it still is important to her. And she does still, like, go to church. And she, like, is still very religious. But I think now that it's not, like, fresh and new to her, she's kind of like, okay, well, I can reconcile that with my own beliefs and values. Whereas at the time it was like, this is the right way because she had just discovered it. And so she was just like, no, like this is wrong. You're going to go to hell. And like, even after she like was talking to me again, she would just randomly be like, I don't get why you're so into this gay thing. Like, do you want to go to hell? Like she would just randomly say that and like say that it's because she cared. But I think it's because somebody else struck such fear in her that she was like afraid of it herself. So she was like, oh my God, I can't imagine my kid going to hell. And then, like, I came out as an atheist to her. It was, like, a whole thing. <laughs> like, that was a different thing. And it just... She thought I was an atheist because I was gay. But I was an atheist because I was an atheist. But also, I am a little bit an atheist because I'm gay. Like, it's hard to explain. <laughs> <laughs> I love to tell people that one day I told my mom I was agnostic. And she argued with me about it because she's such an atheist. <laughs> oh, my God. I had to come out to her as an agnostic. That's wild. And she was like, you're stupid. Be oh an atheist. Oh, my God. Um, she's like, I can't believe that my child believes that there might be a magic man in the sky. And I'm like, that's, that's not, not what I said. That's not true. You don't believe that. I was like, that's not what I said. I said that I can't know and I have no way of knowing. So why act like I know? Like, just because you're not as egotistical as your mother? She's upset. <laughs> she's like, I thought I raised you right to believe that there is no God. <laughs> I can't handle that. To be fair, even though I'm agnostic, I'm totally a spiritual person. Like, we went to the crystal store earlier. Like, I'm a big believer in, like, energies and things affecting those energies. And I think that's valid. So. And I think that we both are like that because we're highly sensitive people. Yeah. Like, we both absorb other people's shit so easily that you kind of have to believe in energies because, like, I don't know, especially as introverted people too like being around others can be very draining and we're very different introverted people like i'm an introverted extrovert and you're just an introvert yeah i'm just very hardcore introvert (laughs) like you would like not want to go to an event whereas i would love to go and then when i get there i'm like i want to go home like it's it's yeah real i'm often the flip side of that where like i really don't want to go to something and i show up and then i have a really good time oh that's good yeah like i do have a good time but then at the end like even if okay like last night we went somewhere together and i had a really good time we played a game with some people and we had some really like fun ideas and like i just enjoyed their company and we laughed a lot and stuff but then when i went home i was like i'm so exhausted 
Like, I thought I could, like, stay up and watch TV, but I was just so exhausted from, like, interacting with people all day, particularly after we went to work all day. It was just a lot for me. Yeah, and, like, tonight, Sarah's going somewhere, and I was invited, and I opted out of going because I just know that it's, like, too much because I've already, like, interacted with several humans today, (laughs) and I've reached my limit, and I need to go home and go to bed. Yeah, like, every old lady talked to us at a thrift store today, so. Oh, yeah. Just, old ladies love to talk to you when you're at a thrift store, by the way. <laughs> what What is it? I don't know. Like, they're always like, oh, that's cute. I think it's because they're preying on the merchandise. And they're, like, hoping you'll be like, oh, here, you can take it. But I'm the kind of, like, straight-up savage that is like, I don't care how old you are. You're not getting this. Same. Try it from my cold dead hands. Yeah. It's a dollar. Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, like, old ladies think that I'll respect them more just because they're old. Mm, false like, information. joke's on you. <laughs> I respect nobody. (laughs) Not even myself. (laughs) I can't handle that. Oh my god. The self-deprecating humor is wild today. Uh, It's the only thing I'm good at. (laughs) Oh my god. Now you believe in yourself? Wow. That's all it took, folks. Um, Anyway, a long ass time ago we were talking about how Simon came out to his mom. Sorry, we just... We got a tangent here. Anyway. So after his dad... Um, like how to, the kind of weird, awkward dad reaction that he had. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure how much time passed. I want to say it was like two weeks because yeah. it was like Christmas break. Then Christmas break was over and he was back in school. Yeah. And his dad kind of approached him and basically said like, I'm sorry. Like I have been making jokes around you for years that don't apply to you and might have hurt you. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, I'm sorry. And he said it in a very, like, awkward, roundabout dad kind of way. Yeah. Um, he also said, I'm sorry, I missed it. Like, he should have, I should have known you better. I spent a lot of time with you, and I didn't realize, and I feel like a shitty dad for missing that about my own kid. Which I think is also valid. I mean, he did kind of make it about himself. Yeah, but, like... But it is a valid <laughs> thing, like, when you come out, like, it changes your, like, the way people see you. It just does. Like, you can't... Like, as much as Simon wants to be regular, like, <laughs> he's not. Like, you're queer, and being queer is a political statement in our society. And he has no opt-out from that. Yeah. And it sucks to suck, but that's the way it is. Sorry, Simon. <laughs> you have to be not normal or whatever. <laughs> not normal. Oh, uh, my God. That's the worst thing I can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I guess, like, that seems like a really realistic scene to me because... Even as his dad was being great, he was also still being, like, shitty. Yeah. <laughs> because he made it about him, and then he also, like, I feel like by saying, like, oh, I'm sorry I missed it, and I'm sorry I made all those jokes around you, like, he was saying, like, oh, I could have made those jokes if you were my straight kid. Basically. Like, oh, I'm gonna treat you differently, and I'm sorry that I never treated you differently. Like, yeah, I get it, but also, like, so you're saying you wish you could make weird sex jokes? With your son. With your son. Why are dads like that? That's, like, a big part of being a dad, apparently, is being, like, the ladies, am I right? <laughs> Not the ladies, am I right? Again. <laughs> is it because, like, you don't have anything in common with your kids because they're separate people? So, like, men are, like, oh, the only thing I have is, like, being a man with you. Yeah, and that's, like, how I think men are socialized to form friendships with other men. It's just, like... It's true. Like, my dad has, like, three friends, and he, like, never talks to them. Yeah, my dad's the same way. Yeah, he, like, calls them up when there's, like special fights on, like, that are pay-per-view fights, which is, like, two or three times a year, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna go hang out with the guys two or three times a year, 
I hang out with my friends every day. Like, <laughs> I feel so sad for him. He has no emotional connections. And even then, it's like, we have to watch sports because we can't just hang out and talk. Yeah, that we have to weird. do something. We have to do something that's manly. Yeah. Where you, you don't have to talk to each other. Yeah. So I think that whole conversation between Simon and his dad, where his dad says, I'm sorry... I probably liked it because I felt like it was more realistic than any other conversation that took place in the movie around his sexuality. Like, this is the shitty reality that this is the best you can hope for. I think that's fair. When you come out to your father. I think that's that's fine. Yeah. Like, I wasn't upset with that because I was just like, that's realistic. Yeah, it's, I was kind of worried that he would come out to his parents and they would be like, that is okay, son. We love you no matter what. We support you. And, like, his mom kind of did that, but it was realistic that at least one parent wasn't ideal, like, in she's the way that he was. Also, like, it's established early on, she's a psychologist. So, like, they say, like, don't therapize us in the beginning. And she's, like, telling them, like, oh, if you guys could talk about sex, you'd be more, you'd be, if you were my patients, you'd be more well-adjusted. Like, she jokes at them about it. So it's established that, like, she knows not to fucking behave that way. Like, yeah. The dad doesn't, obviously. Ugh. And he was, like, in a flannel with, like, a down-zippered vest. Like, I, I wanted him to be chopping wood, but he was actually, <laughs> like, putting the Christmas lights away. Yeah. <laughs> Which is another... That's, like, such a dad activity. Yeah. So overall, what would you rate this movie? Um, I'm, like, out of ten. Is that what we did? I don't fucking know. We don't have a real scale. Like, we have to think of a fucking good scale for y'all. Uh, yeah, out of ten, I think, is what we did before. Okay, I'm gonna give it an 8.5. I'm gonna go with an 8. Ooh, I'm shook. I thought you were gonna be, like, 7. It's not fair, though, because... Like, I would have killed for this kind of movie to be out when I was a teenager. Same. So it added so many points just because I was like, I'm so glad that the children get to see this. Yeah, I almost gave it a nine right now just because of that. Because <laughs> I was like, oh, I wish I saw that. Like, I don't even like kids, but I'm so <laughs> glad that they get to grow up with this movie. Yeah. I wish it had been out 15 years ago when I came out, so. Yeah, I'm trying to think. How... Oh, I came out basically like 10 years ago. Uh. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm feeling real old right now. I mean, I'm feeling a lot older than you. Like, I came out when I was 15, and that was 15 years ago for me, so. Dirty 30. <laughs> Don't say dirty 30 to me. Uh, I'm gonna be 30, y'all. We also, before we sign off, wanted to ask for some recommendations for specifically short films. Because we, you know, we watch a lot of TV shows. TV's kind of hard to fit into a compact thing like a podcast because it's episodic, obviously, and takes a long time to watch an entire series. <laughs> um, so we were hoping that if anyone had any ideas for, like, shorts, um, preferably with, like, bi characters, non-mono characters, that would be great. Send those our way. And also any recommendations in general, things that we haven't talked about yet. Movies, TV shows, we have a running list, but we can always use more suggestions. You can reach us on Twitter at TQAW Podcast. Um, you can also reach us on Tumblr at thequeersarewatching.tumblr.com. You can also send us an email at thequeersarewatching at gmail.com.
Oh, also, sorry if Sarah got quieter and quieter as this podcast went on because she slowly sank backwards into her bed. I'm not sorry. Um, I'm, like, lying down and I'm in a blanket burrito because it's raining. Every time I try to make our audio even so one of us isn't talking louder than the other and then Sarah just, like, disappears into the bed. We need to get a studio where we sit opposite each other so I'm forced to sit in a chair. We have access to that. We should do that next time. I know. We um, partner with QTalk Radio. And they do have a studio space with, like, microphones and pop filters and software. And we just don't go there because it's very far from where we live. It is far. It's hard enough for us to find time to do this outside of, like, Sarah's school and work and my work and family stuff. And so, like, driving all the way over there is going to be... A no for me, dog. Right now. But maybe... Maybe when I graduate, so. Yay! Graduation. <laughs> I thought you were going to start singing the vitamin C song to me. As we go on, we, we remember. Um. <laughs> you should leave that in there. <laughs> uh, what do they play at graduation now? I don't know. Like, write us and tell us what the graduation songs are now because we're too old. I don't know. I know at one point they were playing um, Time of Your Life by oh Green Day. Oh my god. But like, that song is also old. It is, yeah. So like, what are they playing nowadays? Um, our coworker says that at her graduation, and she graduated like four years ago or something like that. Um, three years ago. It was the Josh Groban Wind Beneath My Wings. No. I swear to god. And she's like, and I cried, and I loved it. Like, she's so, she's such a mess sometimes. Like, her emotions are all over the place. I can't believe that they would do that. Like, I'm sure that younger people think that the vitamin C song's really embarrassing. It is. But it was like we grew up with it, so it wasn't that embarrassing. I don't know. It was embarrassing. But I still like it. And there was definitely a time when I did not think that Green Day song was embarrassing. Same, but now Uh, I do. I was like, it's emo and indie, and it's everything I want to be. Oh my god, it's neither. (laughs) (laughs) It's alternative acoustic crap, but whatever. I mean, also everything I wanted to be. Oh my god. <laughs> We've established so much about your self-esteem this episode. Uh, this was a Hannah-centric episode. <laughs> sorry, y'all. I don't know what happened. All my... Oh, maybe that's this crystal I'm wearing around my neck. Like, it's forcing me to vomit up all this shit. I'm so proud of you. Oh, thanks. Thanks, quartz that I'm wearing. I'm wearing amethyst. I was like looking at it like, what the fuck is it? Um, yeah, it's it's, uh, quartz. Any hoozle. Um, (laughs) we're gonna go and just remember the queers are watching. Bye. Bye.